Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Hello to anyone who might be listening to this asynchronously versus the Temple Beth Am podcast. It's nice to be back studying Rashi with you. I've missed it. And uh, just great to see all your faces in, in person and digitally. Um, I think we should jump right into it. What do you think? Chapter seven. Who's interested in some frogs? Okay. So where we left off, the last uh, Rashi and verse we did was chapter seven, verse 27. So we're going to read that quickly just to get some momentum, remind us where we are in the story, particularly because we are in the middle of a quotation mark, which is often the the case as you go from verse to verse. Uh, Chapter seven, verse 27 of the book of Shemot. We are in the lead up to the second plague. Uh, so God is telling Moshe, if you just back up to verse uh, 26, God said to Moshe, Bo el paro, come to Pharaoh, speak to him. And now this is what you should say to him. First quotation mark, or actually maybe this is now the second quotation mark, because God said to Moses, this is what you should say to Pharaoh. Ko amar nai, this is what God said. Another quotation mark. Shalach et amibi dispatch my people that they may serve me and if you refuse to send behold I meaning God will um, plague your entire uh, all of your borders with frogs right that's where we uh, left things off and we did the first Rashi on that verse but not the second Rashi on that verse so I have us at the Rashi which is the second Rashi on verse 27 no gave at kol gvulcha okay um yes barry is, is, and in the in the room speak up so that people in the zoom can hear you is is evid the, the root evid normally worship what 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 is normally used for worship evid <laughs> that, that's the interesting parad not paradox um multiple valence of the root ayin bet dal in hebrew cuz evid is a servant or slave and also, Evid is one who serves in a religious purpose. So when we are, it, it's not a coincidence that the, one of the ways that Jews referred to themselves after Exodus was Avdei Hashem. We had been Avdei Pharaoh, slaves to Pharaoh, and now we're Avdei Hashem. We're not God's slave, but we are serving God with a sense of obligation, duty, and and burden. But it's a holy burden, hopefully a benign holy burden. Like yes. Work. What's that? Work. And it's also work. Yes. Right. 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 right, and the avoda service in Yom Kippur has nothing to do with labor, right? That's the how Yom Kippur was observed in the temple, because the word avoda, just plainly, without even trying to wink-wink, means work and labor, although in the Torah, the better work for labor is malacha, right? Um, and avoda means worship. Yeah. It's probably translated with pet lamish, yeah. In, it, Uncleus usually translates ayin bet dalid, into pay lamidchet pulchan, which means also like a, a ritual kind of working or worshiping. Uh, okay, any questions before we read the second Rashi on the verse? All right, uh, Matt, do you want to read the Rashi? You knew I was going to ask you, didn't you? All right, so. Nogeif et kol gvucha. Okay, so translate that. Uh, so, no, 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 no,
Pause one second. Can you hear him on Zoom? Sorry. Are you hearing Matt? No. Are you hearing you? <laughs> Judy saying no, Renee saying yes. It's muffled. It's muffled. Okay, so we're going to have to resolve this. I can hear it. It's not clear, but it's I can hear him. If you're speaking around the table, we won't feel like you're shouting at us, but try to try to project. The, 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 the first word that Rashi says in this verse is really his commentary, and then the rest of what he says is a commentary on his commentary or an elucidation of his commentary. By translating nogeif as makeh, what is Rashi saying it means, and what is Rashi saying it doesn't mean? Right. It's a strike, Whoa. but not a killing. Not a killing necessarily, right? So when he says... I think there's an implied dafka in there, right? And every, almost like not every language, use of the word magifa means necessarily extermination or death, right? So make, make means a blow, right? Like a hit. Pause one second. Rick, you're, do you have a question, comment or, already? Or we wait till Matt finishes? Okay. Right. Um, and you can you you all have studied enough Rashi to know what's the next thing Rashi is going to do once he says not every use of the word Magifa in the Tanakh means death. What's he going to do? Example. Give us examples. Right. <laughs> and he's going to and if he has an example from Torah, he's going to use that because that's the most um, authoritative of examples. And then he's going to leaven it with some um, uh, examples from elsewhere in Tanakh. And I think he actually goes tough, not nun and chaf. He gets Torah, Nabim and Ketuvim here. So I'm going to. Um, uh, for those in the room, well, actually, no, for everyone, I'm going to, as Matt reads it, I'm going to share the verses that Rashi is is uh, is going to be quoting so we can look at them together. Okay. So instead of death, it's rather the usage of striking or hitting. Uh, and thus, Okay. Let's look at this verse. This is actually in the book of Shemot, so you could just, you could just um, move to it, but I'm going to put it on the screen anyway. Okay, so um, this is actually an interesting verse because this is one of the verses in the Midrashic material on the verse that ends up being really significant in the conversation of the Jewish approach to um, when life begins. Okay, because if you look, this is in Parshat Mishpatim. Can you enlarge that a little? Enlarge what? The projection. Front. Uh, I don't know if I can do that, but it should it should take over your full screen, Barbara. I don't know how to enlarge it on my side, but you can enlarge it on what you're seeing. It's the same size that he always has, Barbara. No, not in my screen. Then, there, it, then somehow you've minimized it, but I can't make it bigger on your behalf. Ki yinatsu anashim. Men are fighting. Vinagafu. It's an interesting verb because... It, the word nogeif usually is a transitive verb. It takes a direct object that you 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 smite something, you plague something. But this is just they plural and they and how they do damage, they smite, they hit, they something. The way it's translated here is not literal. Let's see if we can switch the translation to Everett Fox because he would do a better job of giving us a literal translation. When men scuffle and deal a blow to, so. Um, that it, while they're struggling, they are maka'ing, they are they end up you know hitting or dealing a blow to a woman, hara, who's pregnant, and 
this does not, when it says that her children emerge, it means that they emerge not when they were supposed to emerge, and they die. Velo yihye ason. That phrase, velo ason, is very important in, in the halachic material about um, the Jewish approach to abortion. Ason means disaster. Velo ason means, and a disaster does not occur. What disaster are they saying did not occur? The woman didn't die. Right? The only thing, I put only in quotation marks, this is still a terrible thing, the only thing that happened is that her pregnancies were lost, which means in this verse, there's a very clear understanding that however we understand what's happening in her womb, it's not the same as what's happening to someone who's already born, right? And halakhically, what's going on here is that there, there would be a, a different and a diminished payment that is owed the situation had it been both the woman who died, obviously, and her fetuses, as opposed to, quote, unquote, just her fetuses. One second, Barry. The way Rashi's using it is he's not really heading into the abortion debate, but he's adjacent to it because he's saying this proves that nogaif means to strike but not to kill, because had it been to strike and to kill, it would have been an ason, right? The, the, the fetuses did not make it. But the verb nagfu ishahara does not mean that they struck and killed a woman who was pregnant. They struck a woman who was pregnant. Okay. Uh, Barry Matt Sue, unless Sue is just pointing. When men scuffle the chiyanatsu anashim, for nagfu ishahara, they deal a blow to a pregnant woman, viatsu yiladeha, so that her children abort forth. It's a, I don't know why he's saying it that way, but that they her her fetuses emerge. And then he adds in a but. The lo yason, but no other harm occurs, meaning... Yason is the other harm. Correct, okay. correct. Right, in, in modern Hebrew, it's like a disaster, yeah, yeah. but here it means the other harm. Why do they curse children? What's that? Why do they curse children? So that's an interesting counterpoint, right? It's not that it's not... The, the word is not the word for fetus here, right. ubar. The word is a child, right? So, you know, listen, if you study this yeah. picture long enough, you know you can find justification for both sides of most arguments in nearly every verse and commentary of the verse. So you want to read a one way, the verse is making it very clear that the it's not the full ason because only the fetus has died. If you want to read it in the other direction, you say, but they're being referred to as her children. Right? So it's it's not not simple. Paddington, it's okay. Uh, Barry, Matt, and then someone else. Oh, Rick. Oh, Rick, you were first. Sorry, Rick, Barry, Matt. Okay, uh, I just wanted to do some, some trope stuff on the other verse, but there's something here. The Kadmavia's law on Vinagifu, it's like one man is opposed to the other, which is really, I've never seen it before. I never noticed it before, but it's like when they're describing the angels or the Surah uh, Kruvim on top of the ark, uh, it's the same Kadmavia's law. Uh, okay, but here it's the two men fighting. So I, I just like to point out there's some description of what's happening in the music the nagifu together Good. and when, when we get back to verse uh, 26 and 7 or 7 and 8 i'd like to do the same thing that's okay. all thank you Rick. barry my correct my understanding is that the, 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 the fetus is not a human being uh, and treated as a human until the head reaches until until then at the mother's health is first <laughs> We could spend a semester. Am, am I correct on that statement? It's, it's very hard to distill all of Jewish material on that topic into a sentence. That's one way of reading many of the sources. That's the best I can do in a sentence. Matt. So I, 
why are we debating whether or not this is fatal? The frogs, even many frogs, are fatal. Why is Rashi even asking the question? He's he's pushing back against your havamina, your what I would have said, <laughs> assuming erroneously that no gaif does mean a fatal blow. Why one might have thought that, I'm not sure. I I have to look back at how the word no gaif is used in in Breshit. Rashi is saying, if you thought that no gaif means fatal blow, I'm here to tell you it doesn't, A, because frogs don't kill you, and because it's not the only way it's used in the Torah. So it's, Rashi is agreeing with you, but he's he's concerned that we might have thought that no gaif always means a fatal blow. Yeah. Like, why, why does Rashi want to disabuse us of that? Yeah. I mean, what, why does Rashi feel the need to disabuse us of that? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know offhand. Uh, I don't know if the super commentaries deal with it. I could look at sure. it quickly. Yeah, so the commentator who took that position and understood it that way. Yeah. Let me... When he gets farther interested to the citation, he did it. He goes through the same thing with the examples on the same word. Right. Let me just look if I could find a very quick. A super, super super commentary. Sorry, Paddington, come here. Sorry, buddy. There's, I didn't realize there's another dog in the office today. Uh, they were in verse 27. Sorry, 27. Yeah, so Rashi. Commentary. Anyone? What is the, what does the Maharala Prague say? No, he comments on the previous thing of Rashi. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a good question on Rashi's question or assumption that we would need that to be resolved. Um, okay, let's go to the next um, the next one. Okay, that was one. Now, uh, in Olishonita, we not uh, the usage of the, the, the word of death. And also, okay, look on the screen. Jeremiah, chapter 13, verse 16. Here's what Jeremiah is saying. Tnu ladonai alechem kavod. Give kavod honor to another your God. Beterem yachshich, before he darkens everything, before he, you know, he brings a blight. Uveterem yitnagfu raglechem. And before, as a result of what God's going to do, your, your feet will be no gaved. Doesn't mean kill. Right, it's just smacked, whacked. Right, God, God will can make you stumble, and God can darken. But it's another use of the word nogave here in the hitpael, suggesting a blow, but not suggesting a fatal one. Okay, okay. and this is uh, uh, the context is Jeremiah basically saying when he says give give honor to God, he's saying do tshuva, right, like. Repent before things get worse for you, and at the end of the line of the things getting worse for you might be a fatal blow. But in the beginning, God is just going to make things more challenging for you. Okay. Then to go This might be a verse that you're familiar with because we it it appears in liturgy more common more commonly. So look on the screen again. Um, going back to verse eleven, ki malachav yitzavelach. God will command God's angels, Lishmorcha, to protect you, behold and all of your ways. They, the angels, will carry you, will bear you on their hands and their palms. Lest a your, your foot be no gaft, right? The nun drops out. The, we've seen that many times that the when the first letter of a root is a nun, 
In many forms, it, it drops out. So tigov is from the root nagaf, lest your foot be nogaft or nugaft on a stone. We're not talking about death here. Okay. And then the last one. Okay. Look at the screen again. This is Isaiah. All right. So we went from Torah to uh, prophets to Psalms to prophets. This, this is a reference, just that the commentary is about poor counsel being given to someone. That sometimes that if you don't follow God's counsel, you follow the counsel of some um, uh, person who thinks that they know, but they don't know what could happen. It's an it's interesting phrase. It's translated here. It should be as a sanctuary, but almost like a false sanctuary. And a stone that you keep stubbing your toe against and a rock that, that becomes a stumbling block. So again, Evanegef is not a stone here that will kill you, but a stone that you're going to stub your toe against. Okay. So he's got what are you four ways. And I'm going back to Matt's question because now it's an even more interesting question. Like why like who is Rashi arguing against is really your question. Like what why does he need four proof texts to show something that we didn't, we in this room didn't think we would have had that supposition. Right. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, okay, Rick and then Renee. Hi, I wanted to ask if um, Uncle has helped any. Um, I see Anna Mache Yat. Uh, when he, uh, it's, instead of Anochi no Gave, it's Anna Mache. I don't know what, like, yeah. what, what that root means in. Yeah, do, does that, is it, is it killing or is it just hurting? <clears throat> striking you see where i am memchet hey in hebrew means to wipe away like uh my wipe clean memchet yudin aramaic uh, rather than uh rely on my memory let's look it up in jastro so i'm going to share jastro with everybody okay memchet <coughs> to smite to wound yeah that says is compared to naka compared to maket yeah, so Uncleus is translating it properly, and maybe Rashi is impacted by that, but it doesn't answer Matt's question as to why Rashi thinks we might have thought it meant something different. No. It doesn't help? Okay. Well, it's not that it doesn't help. He's, it's, agreeing, it's agreeing that this word is not to be understood necessarily as to, as to wound fatally. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you have a Trump question on this? Um. On the verse, I was going to throw out some trope. Yeah. Um, the, I did that. Now we'll go to Renee. Yeah. Um, well, the Anochi has the Revia on it. So direction, uh, Larry and I discovered directionality with the trope from, from the heavens down to earth. Anochi. And then no gave is the Tavir. So it's like he's going down into the river and he's bringing up the frogs. Okay. And that repeats again in verse 28. Is the zarka. Is the segol. So it's like you're going down into the river and they're coming up. Just a thought. Yeah. So um, when we get to Rashi's commentary on um, where's it going to be the, the 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 topography of what's going on here is actually going to uh, intrigue Rashi. Not necessarily on a tr on a trap level, but he but there's definitely an up and down. Uh, good, uh, Renee. 
I'm just curious whether this paragraph can also be interpreted as a metaphorical stumbling block, not physical. Which verse? The one that we're reading about. Do you mean the, the whole, just the whole paragraph about the, you know, the hitting of the of the pregnant woman, and then the, and before your feet stumble, if it can be a metaphorical stumbling block about the feet, not necessarily a physical. Well, I think in the in the verse from Parshat Mishpatim about the hitting of the woman is not metaphorical. I think a lot of the prophets' language is meta, is metaphor, and and it doesn't necessarily mean that if you listen to human counsel as opposed to God's counsel, you're going to trip, but that you're going to trip in life. Yeah. So I think that it, I think it probably means both literal and figurative, depending on the context. Yeah. Matt. Ibn Ezra says that uh, a little bit louder. Uh, Ibn Ezra says. Uh, the golf means my Oops. Mashrit. Let me just turn my the slaughter. Um, maybe that's maybe that's why he's answering. Yeah. I don't know who came first, but, but the debate was there. Ebenezer comes after Rashi. And but there was, the debate was probably there, or the, the, the precision was probably in the air. Uh, yeah, let's look at that together because that's that's very interesting. That's a, that's a direct. Um, yeah, yeah, so he's reading it differently. He's reading these are like frogs that are not just going to annoy, but that they're going to bring destruction and and yeah, he, he's at least half disagreeing, right? Like, because lahashchit means to destroy, and sometimes the destruction is death, right? But it also can just mean to destroy, right? But he's 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 half disagreeing with Rashi. Rosemary, um, I think um, if we take all the plagues, it's the last one only which is aimed to kill somebody. Yes, the rest of plagues are to make scare people, but in that. Uh, content it can be killing also yeah. because if we take the pregnant woman in the dark room and five frogs fall on her and she can be scared and trip and fall yes. and then she would lose the child and maybe herself yeah. so it's not aimed to kill but it it will kill right or the water when it was red there were people they were dehydrated it was desert yeah so if they didn't have water they would die but we don't emphasize on dying till the end. The right. dying is um, accidental. Or if not accidental, then secondary, right? Right. Yeah. We, we sometimes think of the frogs as being cute and fun. And, you know, when you run into a frog at a pond or something, it can be cute and fun. But this was a plague. There were too many of them. Mm. They were all over. It was a disaster. Yeah. Right, and certainly the way we sing about it, you know, yes. it, you know, the frogs on his head and frogs on his bed, it's turned into um, yeah. a cartoon, right? Which you know, listen, there are age-appropriate ways of. You know, I, I I knew about the, the the plague of frogs before I knew about the plague of locusts as a kid because of the song, so it's it's helpful, but um, it's not. It, it probably makes it a little too Disney-ish, you know. Okay, um, let's. Uh, that was the end of that verse. Yeah, okay. that's a tricky thing because you you know we're trying to tell story, this story and and it actually important for kids. 
there's only so much pain and suffering that you can communicate. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah. If you know, if you simply recite the ten plagues, you don't get it's sixteen words or so. So you don't really need to worry about let's writing this up by throwing little toy frogs all over the table. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The the pedagogy about how to communicate this material age appropriately and substantively and accurately and interestingly is really interesting, right? We and we're constantly reevaluating that. Um, particularly around Seder night, because Seder night is Jewish pedagogy, you know, yeah, and you know, at the highest level. But mo most of the tenth chapter of Psachim in the Talmud, which is dealing with the Seder, is reinforcing the pedagogy of the night and how you communicate and particularly how you communicate to children that things are different right and one of the ways that you do it differently is by singing stupid songs right obviously you know rabbi akiva wasn't suggesting you sing a ditty but he was suggesting and i'm using rabbi akiva just as an example that you do anything you can that night to uh, to make it so the children will stay will stay attentive and remember rachel on a very different topic it was just the Bottom verse says stone for stumbling. Um, oh, the last, the, the last verse that he quoted. Yeah. yeah. What's the modern Hebrew expression for Stolperstein, which in English is stumblestone? The little memorials on the ground in Europe. I don't know. I mean, what? you're saying Stolperstein is German, and the project is all over Europe at this point. Um, the little, they're about that big, cobblestones with the name of a Holocaust victim in front of the last place. How do you spell, spell Stoppelstein? S-T-O-L-P-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. And I just sat <laughs> this is, in right, modern this, Hebrew. This is going to be great. Look, wait, wait, wait for this. Look at the Hebrew translation of Stolperstein. Negev. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, okay. That's great. Because I just, I, I looked at that verse and I, I've seen at this point hundreds of Stolperstein on various travels and I've installed them for my relatives. Mm. And, you know, that's its own profound experience. But, uh, but I just kind of focused on that phrase, and it's like, okay, what's that? Yeah. I guess the word not to put a stumbling block before the blinds, the same word. Michol. Michol from the root kashal, which means to fail, right? To, yeah. It's so there are, you know, Hebrew has synonyms too, right? English does. But it's interesting that, the, at least according to Rabbi Google, the translation of Stolperstein's stumbling block into Hebrew is negev. Is that, does that resonate for you, Sue, as like the, Common Hebrew colloquial word for a stumbling block, a negev. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have guessed that, but I don't know it one way or the other. Yeah. Steve, is your hand up? Yeah, I don't know if this really answers the question, but in Shemot Rabbah, the the second comment on the verse, um, the opening line seems to be uh, quoting the same verse or the first verse that Rashi quotes, and is agreeing with Rashi that the and then and then it goes on and has various rabbis embellishing the story a little bit more none of them seem to say that the frogs are fatal like that's not what the direction of the embellishment goes but there seems to be 
Rashi seems to be pulling, you're motivated to say this because the Midrash says this, mm. I think, but I, again, it's not, uh, doesn't fully answer why you would think otherwise. Yeah, and the Rashi on verse 29, which I guess we'll get to at the earliest next week, will 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 we'll draw upon one of the fanciful um, uh, expansions of how we're supposed to understand the frog's impact on the community, specifically on the word uvecha. But that's the beginning of verse 29, and we're on verse 28. You consider that they're choking on this. The land and the people are choking on this. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, verse 28. Uh, thank you, uh, Rick. Uh, I almost almost got it, folks, but then that hand came up right at the last second. Yeah, it's, uh, before you go on, I just wanted to ask about the uncleus again with the frogs. He has ur de anya um, and said it's far. So is the the ayan takes place of the tsadi fe? Right, and I'm not is... the pay, correct. Like the ayan, the ayan, um, Sadi exchange, you see like Eretz Ara, right? But by the Ara de Israel, that Sadi becomes an ayin in Aramaic. What happened to the pay in the move from Sparlia to Urdana? I don't know. Okay. We lost the pay. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Judy, do you want to read Rabbi Judy? Do you want to read verse 28? You need to unmute yourself, Judy. I know that takes a moment. Oh, I think you muted yourself. You unmuted and then you muted yourself. How about now? Now it's great. Excellent. 28, here we go. Visharaf, how you are? Sufardim. The Alu Uva U Ve Teha Ubahadir Bahadar Mishkabha the Al Mita Mita Teha Ubevet Avadeha Uve Ameha Ovita Ovita Nureha Ovemish Arotecha. And before Judy translates, right, if you know no Hebrew, you know this is a lyrical verse, right? And the Chaz and the Echaz are creating like a, 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 a an I don't know, a, a, por, a portentous impending doom for you because the cha echa ending is on you, your, 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 your. So let's see what all these are, are references are uh, are for. So let's see if you can translate that, Abba Judy. Um, this is tough for me. So the visharet, what is that? It, so in the noun, a sheret is something that swarms. The verb lishrotz is to swarm, to spread out, right? So the yor which is the river, will swarm. There's, there's an implied wind, frogs. right? Yes, the, fro the frogs, and they will rise up and come into your homes. Good. And in the room of uh, where you dwell. Where you sleep, because Mishkab means sleep, sleep. And on your beds. Right. Um, and in the house 
of your slaves yep. um, and in, in your, to your nation or in your nation, oh, tanurs in your ovens, um, and around your gates. Ah, if it was an iron, it would be your right. gate. Right. Um, I brought this up on BDB because I knew we'd, be, we'd want to look at this. So one second. Kneading bowls? Yeah. Kneading bowls. Kneading yeah. bowls. Yeah. Okay, Sha'aroteha. Look at the screen. This is BDB on the word Mish'eret, right? a household vessel, specifically a kneading trough, a vessel in which it was dough before it was leavened. Shin and sin are interchangeable sometimes. One of the verses that tells us about cleaning our houses for Pesach is Tashbitu Seor Mibatechem. Get rid of um, the Seor, the leaven in your home. So Seor with a sin, dot on the left, is leaven. And a Misheret, the dot on the right, is the bowl in which the leaven would be mixed or created or rise, right? And so according to BDB, it's the same root. You can't always do that. It's not always the case that the sin and the shin are interchangeable, according to BDB. I have no reason to think that they're wrong. They are um, that they, they are related, right? That the, that the dot jumped over from one side to the next. The, the brown driver Briggs, that's what this is. It's the considered, where if Jastro is considered the authoritative dictionary for rabbinic Hebrew, this is the authoritative one of many. Uh, first place you go to for biblical Hebrew. Uh, I don't think any of them were Jewish. This is from the the you know the the the, um, the 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 Christian critical study of the Bible school. I don't even know what what decade it was written, but um, it's the, yeah. But it's the one you go to, and and they knew a lot, and it compares it with um, other ancient linguistic cognates. BDB Brown Driver Briggs, and it's just amazing that it's available for free online. Um, okay, so let's just linger on the verse itself. What are some reactions? Uh, oh, before we do that, I just want to share a sweet thing, uh, a moment that Judy and I shared without sharing it. I did a wedding on Sunday in New York. It's the first wedding I've done for a for a kid who was a congregate of mine in in New York, right? I and I don't know if I'm I'm not insulted that it took this long, but I was almost surprised. I like you're I was very very close to that that generation of kids and many of them got married and makes sense. They they were married by the next rabbi or their spouse's rabbi who is no local or whatever. But this was one of my, like my core kids. Um, she was 14 when I left and she got engaged and she came out to LA last year on a vacation. She came over and she surprisingly asked me if I would officiate at the wedding. It was really nice. Mm -hmm. And by coincidence, her fiance, now husband's, uh, that man's mother is Judy's best childhood friend from age seven from from new york I, it's just unbelievable that little connection so um i was able to do this wedding for a former Carringen, and judy was connected to it were you watching judy live um they were not doing it live i'm gonna get the video got it okay so let's let's get some reactions to the shot i mean i i don't want to lead the witness but you can ask a lot of questions on why on not only why the general redundancy, because you clearly could write this verse more tersely, but why specifically what things are are redundant or why those things are added. But I want to hear your reactions to it. So the floor is open. Norm. I have two things. One is the order in which these things come up. It starts with Pharaoh and then it spreads to the people that are closer to him, his servants, and eventually to all of the people 
all over. Good. And they're a real nuisance because if if they're in people's beds, it's a nuisance. If they are filling up the house, if they're interfering with cooking and preparing, you can't even mix dough to make whatever you're going to make um, without having frogs in your way. It's a big nuisance. Yeah. Two great comments. So on the first comment, we say Baruch Shakivanta, that Rashi is going to uh, um, react to the very same nuance, the progression from it first being on Pharaoh and then his people is going to give it his, his explanation for why. Um, and it's hard to know how to read the intensity of this verse. Are we going from more intense to less intense or less intense to more intense? On the one hand, yeah, right? Like, is it like, isn't there going to be everywhere? And that's the big thing. And like, you may not have thought of this, dear Pharaoh, but even in your mixing bowls, Whereas that's actually a small detail to show how comprehensive it is. Or are we going from generically frogs are going to be there? And even in the most important things you're going to be doing every single day to allow you to sustain yourself, going back to what Rosemary said, this is all about sustenance. I think it's about <laughs> talking to different populations. The Pharaoh isn't in the needy holes. Uh-huh. So it's like, it's going to bother you, Pharaoh. It's mm. going to bother you guys who go to bed at night. It's going to bother you if this is how it laid out, but I'm guessing it did. You women who are going to be, who, are, who make the bread and cook the food, if it was, you know, a society like that, it's going to get to all of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see Renee's hand up and Rick's hand up. I just want to just point out a quick Aramaic thing. The word sharat, which we translate as to swarm, uh, Uncle has translates it a little more plainly, the yirabe, they'll become many, just numerous. Sharat has a different, a different valence than just numerousness, but Uncle has translates it a little more plainly. Uh, while we hear from Renee and then Rick, I'll see how Everett Fox translates it. And then Toba. Renee. So I was going to say something similar to what Norm said. But also in Everett Fox, he has a footnote. Um, I mean, he 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 translates it as you were asking that the Nile will swarm with frogs. They'll ascend. They'll come into your house, your bedroom, almost identical. Your couch, your servants' houses, and among your people, into your ovens and into your dough pans. But what was interesting to me is that their footnote they he comments on ovens as a place which, because of its dryness, would be most unlikely to harbor them. Uh-huh. Of all the things to comment on, Dafka, the ovens, it seemed kind of odd. Well, I guess Eric Fox is saying that he's trying to give a specific explanation for what is included in this verse because and what is not. And um, so you, you would think the oven would be the last place to find an amphibious animal, and even though they're going to be, yeah. Um, it was Rick, then Tova, and then Barry. Uh, hi, I have a question. <clears throat> Not a trope thing. I have a question on, um, I get you is Pharaoh. Your people are the Egyptians. Your servants, does that include the Israelites or, or um, the other um, underlings of the royal court? That's yeah. my question. Did, did this affect the Israelites also, do you think? What, what, what do people think? How, how should we understand? And I remember, we're in a quotation marks. This is what God is telling Moshe to tell Pharaoh that God said. So nothing's happened yet, right? The action is not going to begin until verse, uh, verse one of the next chapter. But what do we think God meant when God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, this is what God said, when God said, the house of your avadim? What do we think? 
Not the Israelites. I think it's forgers, his household. Uh-huh. So not even your slaves, but the your your your, your courtiers. Going right yeah, yeah. Basically, and then you're out to these people. And if that's the case, it's another wonderful way in which that root means so many things and almost opposite things, right? The ones who serve you nobly is the same root as the ones who you are enslaving. Uh, Stevie, although we were, at a, well, go ahead. Yeah. All right. Um, I think there's something stylistic about the number seven, right? That when we talked about the waters back in, uh, in verse 19, there are also seven different places that water turned to blood. And here there's seven seven different places that frogs will be found. Very nice. And then also, I'm, I'm confirming with, I'm, with, with great joy. I did. <laughs> Good. Thank you for that. Uh, let's. I wonder. Well, let's watch that in the future plagues to see if that repeats itself. Uh, we had an order: Barry, Tova, and then Norm. So uh, it, it it begins with Uvialu Uvau. They're going to come up from the river and then come into your house. But then the whole next sequence ends with Yalu. The frogs will emerge. In all these places, so the, the first is that they're coming from the river into this house, but then they're going to be coming up from all these other locations. So they're going to, going to come up from your service in your bed, come up on your bed, coming up on your office. Kind of, they're, they're not coming from the river to here; they're coming up, emerging from these different locations. Right, and you added in the phrase "from the river," which is a possible reading of Alu. You're going to, you're going to, Rashi's going to say something similar. The verse itself, well, right? It, it begins with the Shiraz Hayar. The, the, the earth is going to swarm with frogs, and they're going to come, and they're come into your house. Right. But all the other sequences, they're actually emerging from these different things themselves. Right. So we, the verb, the verse has three verbs, right? The first verb, Sharats, is somehow the verb describing what the river is going to do vis-a-vis -vis the frogs to swarm with them. And then the next two verbs are the subject of those verbs are the frogs themselves. The frogs will ole, will rise up, and they will ba. They will, they will elevate and come. And there are many possible ways of reading those two words, but it is interesting that two verbs are required. And uh, we'll get to Rashi's comment on it uh, pretty quickly. On the, on the sequence. So the, 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 the first sequence is... Uh, peril they're going to come into your into your house into your bedroom on your bed and, and once he's choking on this stuff then his servants are going to choke on it and and, and then comes the food supply yeah uh toba the norm um yeah i was just also struck by the similarity between the way the like blood is described because it also starts in these more general terms of your boundaries, your rivers, your streams. And then when the last one is in the vessels of stone in your vessels of wood, yeah, which in a very similar way to your kneading troughs yeah. uh, and your ovens, uh, I feel like there's something very visceral here because in a way, not yuck, it's in our house, it's in, even in your bed, 
in your food, in what you drink, that's what you're taking into yourself. And so I, I think that in both of them, that last punch is actually the strongest. Mm. It's the one that comes literally nearest, almost in, in, in sure. you. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the least um, dramatic and Cecil B. DeMillish and cataclysmic, and the one that's going to most impact yeah. the average citizen of Egypt. Right. Yeah, or, even the pharaoh. or even the pharaoh, you right? I thought about that needing trough, but right. you need it. Like what you're bringing me. <laughs> yeah, good. Norm, I want to focus specifically on the phrase uh, and I think it probably does mean you know your servants mean those who are close to you, and then spreading out to the entire Egyptian people. But I think we could also look at it as as Avadecha being those who serve and worship Pharaoh. Pharaoh claimed to be a god. Mm. Some people undoubtedly accepted that and acted as worshiping him and accepting him and his edicts and so forth. And Uviamecha means and the rest of, of your people, the rest of the Egyptian people, presumably. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a possible alternative reason. Great. And yet, yet another shade of meaning of Evid, right? Yeah. The ones who are worshiping you as if you were a god. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, yeah. So uh, I'll share this, um, the screen quickly. Um, on that note, let's see. Okay, so this is Habdi Hamek Davar, the commentary of the Netziv, Rabbi Nastali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin of Volozhin in the late 19th century. He has a lot of things to say on the verse, but look at the last one, or the second last one, Ubevet Avdecha, Sarei Yoatzei Pharaoh, the uh, ministers and the advisors of Pharaoh, which is not the not specifically the way you just read it, Norm, but the, way, the previous way we read it, not your other, mm -hmm. other slaves, but the ones who are in your noble coterie. Right. What was the word you used, uh, uh, Tova? The uh, yeah, no, you used a different word. The courtiers, the Court, courtiers. Yeah, yeah. Good, um, Rosemary, and then we're gonna look at some Rashi. I just wanted to say we don't read French uh, footnotes of Rashi. He has written that's where French started eating frog legs. Oh, wait. So, is, are you joking or not joking? Oh, got it. Uh, Rick, is your hand up again or still? Yes. No. Just one more. Um, so yes, the um, Tova could back me up, I suppose. But the house of your servants that worship you, those would be all those temples that they constructed. So they, uh, um, the Torah doesn't want to say your your temples, your houses of worship that much. They that it, it's kind of like mentioning it without mentioning it that they had other religion that um they have these huge structures d dedicated to different gods um so i, I get that out of Beit avadecha also uh, it's it, it's stressing the the structures the the houses of these uh, other other gods maybe uh, i hadn't thought of it that way it's a possibility we can linger on um let me point out one more thing in the Aramaic, and then we'll look at the Rashi, because um, sometimes it's interesting to see in Aramaic words that were once more common in Hebrew, but are not any longer. So uh, if, if you, if I think, does everybody have the Aramaic around them, or should I put it on the screen? The Onkelos. The Everyone has that? On 28? Yeah. 
Okay, Sabira Be Nahara Urdaana, that the the Nahar, the river, will grow big with frogs. The Yiskun, they will come up. Via Elun, they will enter. It's kind of reversed. Bebeitecha in your houses. Uve Idron Beit Mishkavecha. And in the rooms where you sleep. The Al Arsach, your Eres. What Hebrew word is being translated as Arsach? Mita, 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 bed, right? Um, you may, uh, if it, you know, the word eres is still used a little bit in Hebrew, but you, what's that? Really, I didn't know that. Very nice, sheer eres. Um, if you're a daily minion davener, you know this word from tachanun, that when we put our head on our arms, we say that we are wetting our, our um, in Psalm 6, I believe, some six that we're wetting our pillows with tears. Our see, I'm set. I'm, 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 uh, I'm crying so much that my bed is wet from tears, not from other other things. So it was uh, a biblical Hebrew word, and it was retained in the Aramaic. And I did not know that it's still used, at least in some phrases, in modern Hebrew. Great. Okay, let's look at the Rashi. Who uh, Judy was reading? Okay, so um, if you want to read. Uh, the first verb, uh, the alu, which is going to get back, something back to something that Barry said before. The uh, alu min hayor, and that's it, right? So he, this first comment, he, he quotes alu, and he just gives us a two-word answer, min hayor. Wait, so pause first on min hayor. So we know what he's saying. He's saying it's coming up from the river what we should maybe spend a second discussing is why is he saying it? Or similar to last thing, why does he feel the need to say it? What else could it be? Uh, Barry was saying before, it seems obvious that, right? The river will swarm with frogs, and they will come up. Of course they're coming up from the river. So why is Rashi feeling the need to say that? In your house and then afterwards in the house of your slaves. Who he'd feel? Hey, pause one second. Any, anyone? Yes. Let Barry and then Rachel. Yeah, okay. you, you mentioned or the, the up and down stuff. This is coming from below, up, now, up into uh, their living places. Okay. Biology. How long can a frog be out of the water? Ooh. I don't know the answer to that. But in terms of there's the river, there's undoubtedly some canals and stuff. But when you get a little farther away from the water, how far can the frogs spread mm. away from the water? Mm. Look at what the Gura says it's on the screen now. This is the commentary on Rashi by the Maharala Frog, which we look at occasionally. And it's his attempt to answer this question. Again, the disclaimer doesn't mean he's right, but his he's he's troubled or intrigued by the same thing. So in the center column, it's what Rashi says, Alu Min Hayor. And then all the way on the right, this is the Gur Arye. Alu Min Hayor. Oh, I don't know how to do it. That you have to do on that one. Sue, Sue, can you go to that? Sue, go to the laptop. And just move the the thing on the right down. Just pull that down. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um. So the Gur Gur Arye, he quotes Rashi, and they will come up 
from the river. And he's clearly answering the question why Rashi feels the need to say that. The Imlokain were it not the case that they're coming up from the river. Lo shayach Allah. You wouldn't need the word Allah. You wouldn't need the word go up. Dechol Allah or Ole, who min hanamuch el hagavoa. Every aliyah, and he's saying, it's, it's almost like painfully obvious what he's saying. Every aliyah is from the lower to the upper. This is what I meant before, Rick, when you were talking about the, the, up, the up and down, that the Gur'arye is somehow saying that Rashi is trying to emphasize the, the topography here. Uma min hanamuch el and what here was from the lower to the upper? Ela min hayor, from the river. Shehunamuch min hayabasha, that the river is... Uh, lower than the ground. Um, I don't know enough. To, I mean, on some level, every river has to be below, <laughs> below the ground. Otherwise, it, the water wouldn't be contained, right? Yeah. But I don't know if he's saying something also about the topography of the Nile. I don't know if the Nile is particularly considered low. I don't know. Um, and you could ask on the Gurarye the same question that the Gurarye is saying on Rashi, which is why you feel the need to say all this, right? Like, isn't, isn't this obvious? But it's interesting that that, that, that chain exists. Um, I see Barbara's hand up. Well, I looked up the question of how long can a frog survive without water? <laughs> <laughs> and how long can a frog survive in a pot that, that's getting a little bit uh, hotter every minute? <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's the problem. A, a frog can survive two weeks out of water in a cool environment. The problem for a frog is not that they can't breathe because they breathe on air, out, out out on up in the air, not in the water, but they 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 dehydrate and die if they're out of water for very long. Um, they well, can't go dormant and go hide underground somehow. I don't know exactly how. They also need water, probably. Yeah. Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, Barbara, Judy, and then Rachel. I, I'm I'm I I think I've said all that I wanted to say okay judy you're here you're, you're going to say something it's making me think that in this case the frogs are maybe uh imbued with a quality similar to a camel because they were going here there and everywhere from the river up and they somehow were able to carry enough fluid so they would not get dehydrated so they'd be able to go from the beds into the ovens I am looking at it in a whole different way. The the only thing that I could come up with as to why how to make the claim that what Rashi is saying is is interesting as opposed to obvious <laughs> is the following: that one could read. I'm not saying one would, but one could read the verse saying the following two things. On the one hand, the river know the frogs, Sharats and on the other hand, and they're also going to be you know, jumping around your house. And Rashi's saying, that could be the case if it wasn't the word alu, but since it's the word alu and they came up, it's to suggest that the frogs that are going to end up in your homes came from the water. Why does that, is that significant itself? What does it change the narrative that much? Not particularly, but you could read it that it's the river swarming with frogs and your house swarming with frogs and the word alu connects those two possibilities. Rosemary, I see Barbara's hand. I don't know if that's up again or still. And then Renee. Up and then... again. It's again. So well, these Rosemary. happening one after the other. Um, I mean, we finished the blood, and this is happening the next day of the blood. Not the next day. If you remember uh, uh, verse 25, Vayamalei Shivat Yamin, 
that seven days were completed. After um, uh, God had smitten, smote the river with blood. Um, so there's at least seven days, and we don't know if there's a break in between that verse and this verse. Okay, it's not the next the day. Seven days, we have a seven, by the way. That we aren't talking about because yeah. uh, the river was red. So everything died in the river. Uh -huh. They couldn't. So how come suddenly we have so many frogs oh, coming out of the right. blood? Right. No. Right. I read it. A secular explanation was that suggested that because the river turned to blood, the frogs couldn't stay in the river. And that leads to the second mm. plague where the frogs have all left the river mm. and they're coming every place. But like a natural. They are coming up, but they were in the river. That's the the river, the river they're escaping. They have to leave them. I don't know. Barbara, Renee, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, I just the question of why call it, why does Rashi say min haya or is uh, there's uh, probably other places where there's water in the land, and Rashi is specifically saying that it, that they only came from the Nile. Uh -huh. I think he's, being, he's I think he's trying to specify. Specifically, all the frogs came from the Nile, which does seem crazy that they could go to all points of the country. So maybe we're only talking about the area where they could get to near the Nile. Maybe, maybe we're the other bodies of water that were referenced in the blood plague. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, near the Nile Valley and then there's desert. There's nothing. Uh, Renee, last comment. I just wanted to add to Barbara's frog info, and apparently there are adult frogs that live in woodlands or grassy areas, and they only come to the water to breed each year. Did you know when you started studying Rashi with me a decade ago that we were going to learn about amphibious animals? In this yeah, that's, that's a different kind of frog. That's like the tree frog. As opposed to the <laughs> I didn't specify. Out of the, but as if, I know, but if they're coming out of the Nile, they're not a tree frog. They're not going to be able to survive as long as they would coming out of the woodlands with its minimal water that comes down maybe from 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 even from um, from fog, things like that. On, on that note. <laughs> Monty Python with the speed of the swallows carrying the coconuts. Okay. <laughs> Everything is normal. Have a good day, everybody. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.